You ready for the word this morning? Excellent. The title of my message this morning is The Difference a Changed Life Makes. The Difference a Changed Life Makes. What is it? It's The Difference a Changed Life Makes. The uh, text that I'll be using for this morning's message is found in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And this is what it says, and I'm reading out of the New International Version, which is otherwise known as the Nearly Inspired Version. So I thought, well, if we're talking about the message, message, it'd be good. So verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone or anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Everyone say glad and sincere hearts. So they met together and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Father, I pray over this word this morning that we each see the difference that a changed life can make. And that change is brought about by you and your word, by your spirit in our lives, Lord God. And we live out that, that change, that transformation, that, that divine exchange that happens as a result of your working within our life. For all the things that you've done that we by faith take a hold of and we thank you that, that uh, you've done that change in us. That transformation is only a work of your spirit by grace. And we thank you for that. I pray that this word touches people in a way that we see the, see the benefit of it. We see what it looks like and how it can change our communities. And I, Father, thank you for that in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everyone said again? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Bless Jesus. Okay, someone said once that there's three ingredients uh, that surface in the book of Acts to show us God's method of church growth. They are the inspiration of his presence, the demonstration of his power, and the proclamation of a person, and that person is Jesus. And in this room today, there are thousands of years of collective experience in the church. Okay, so in, uh, we've got a, a thousand years plus, many thousands of years probably, experience of what it looks like maybe to, we've seen where a church has done things well and a church has not done things very well. So here's a few thoughts about when the church is at its best and also when a church is at its worst. See, the church is at its best when it's warm and it's inviting. A church is at its worst when it's cold and unwelcoming. The church is at its best is marked by, com uh, by compassion. And a church at its worst is marred by criticism. The church is at its best when it's committed to the gospel. And a church is at its worst when it's committed to tradition. The church is at its best, it walks by faith. And the church is at its worst when it walks by sight. The church is at its best when it's focused upward and outward. And the church is at its worst when it's focused inward. The church is at its best, it's, it's a spiritual hospital. But when it's at its worst, it's a spiritual museum. The church is at its best when it's believing its best days are ahead. 
And the church is at its worst when it dwells on the glory days of gone, uh, days gone by. The church is at its best when everyone knows how much we care. When the church is at its worst, no one cares about how much we know. The church's challenge in today's culture and society is to be in the world, but not of the world. How do we act or behave like salt and light without becoming contaminated by the culture in which we live? For some groups, the answer has been to make hard and fast rules and to to make rigid distinctions that shield ourselves from uh, from becoming worldly, as if creating a fortress would keep the world out and Christians from wandering away and getting lost themselves. But when we look at the early church, as outlined in Acts chapter 2, what we see is, uh, we don't... Is not a group of people that actually withdrew from their culture to avoid exposure to sin. Rather, we see a group of believers who strengthened themselves in their times together as the church so that they could engage their culture and proclaim Jesus. So the value of us coming together in greater connection, both at a, a corporate uh, church gathering, for, for want of a better term, but a, a, a combined you know, big meeting on a, 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 on a Sunday morning. But also it, it comes about as a result of us getting together in small groups in our homes. There's huge value in us getting together for the purpose of strengthening ourselves in those small group environments. So looking at Acts and this passage that we have before us this morning, I want to look at four ways that we could put our best foot forward And live a life that makes a difference this morning. I want to look at four things. Okay, The first thing is this. When I read the passage of Acts chapter 2 verses 42 to 47. The first thing I notice is that they never got tired of the basics. They never got tired of the basics. Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. When we look at the four basics in that verse, that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, that they were devoted to fellowship, that they were devoted to the breaking of bread, they were devoted to prayer, we see things that connected the early church to its purpose. They devoted themselves. This was their responsibility. It is not my responsibility to ensure that you are devoted to the apostles' teaching or to the breaking of bread or to fellowship or to prayer. It's not my responsibility to make sure that you are devoted to those things. It is your responsibility this morning. We need to take ownership for the things that God is asking of us to do and not be lazy and thinking, well, because Pastor Gary didn't say that I had to pray this week, I don't have to pray. Yes, it's one of those messages. (laughs) They devoted themselves. It was their responsibility to to, to pursue this. They needed to pursue it. They needed to live this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So they could do this because they had Peter, James, and John, and the other apostles with them. They were there in the midst of them. 
These, these apostles, uh, they, they'd walked with Jesus. They were taught by Jesus. These men had witnessed Jesus doing some amazing miracles and healings and, and raising up of dead people and stuff. Now, these, pe- these, these apostles ha- had been promised the Holy Spirit and they lived in obedience to him, understanding and being helped to understand the ministry of Jesus in that time. It says in John chapter 14, verses 25 to 26, All this I've spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. So these, these, these apostles, James, John and Peter and all those guys, they're there, they're being led by the Holy Spirit, and, and they're just teaching this stuff in this church, in this context. And we might think today that they had a huge advantage that we might not enjoy today. Because we don't have Peter, James and John like uh, w- teaching in our midst and, and showing us all the things that they did. But, but then, hang, hang, on, hang on a minute. Hmm. Do we not have them? Uh, uh, hang on a minute. Just brushing the dust off. I might have a look, see what it's got. Oh, the Apostle Paul's in here. Peter's in here. James is in here. Could it be that... Uh, We've overlooked the fact that we've got these mighty apostles of God today still able to teach us and then to impart to us the things that they were witnesses of personally. That we haven't got a $15,000 million, uh, 15, million number of like uh, uh, accounts, witnesses, separation from the time that they actually saw that. We've got a first-hand account of an, an encounter with Jesus. This is not like the Chinese whispers that, you know, I don't know about you, but when you play Chinese whispers, if someone says something and then it's supposed to be passed along and the message that the end person get is rarely the very same as the one that's got started. With this one, you know for a fact that the message that you start with is the message that you finish up with. Sorry, I forgot I was in church. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They had eyewitness accounts of Jesus. They had eyewitness accounts of Jesus, of his ministry, of what the Holy Spirit did in the days when Jesus was there and walking the, the earth. But, but correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that the Holy Spirit's at work today. I'm pretty sure that the Word of God is still active and alive and sharper than any two-edged sword today. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced of that fact. So when we start to read and study and meditate on and obey the Word of God, are we not to being devoted to the apostles' teaching? And I've got to tell you, that will make a difference in the way that we live. If we will take on board what the Spirit of God says to us through the Word of God as we start to study it and meditate upon it, that is going to bring about a difference in your life and it's going to bring about a difference in my life. But it's not a difference that just changes us on the inside. It will change us on the outside. It will change us in the way that we talk to people, that we interact with people, the way that we live life, the way that we raise our kids, the way that we raise our parents. 
Another message entirely. See, the other, th- other basics in this particular verse are that they devoted themselves to fellowship. Okay? This doesn't mean that they were committed to getting together. This means that they were committed to a shared life together. A shared life together. They were convinced that they had something of great value to share with each other. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 1, verses 11 to 12. He says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. Not to pull you down. Not to, to criticize you. Not to, to, to whinge about you. But to make you strong. I want to, to, to get together with you because I want to make you strong. And he, he goes on and says, that is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. So what he's saying is that true biblical fellowship is when I share my life, my gifts, and my heart with you, and I'm willing to receive exactly the same. There's this collaboration of of stuff coming together, this cross-pollinization that happens in our lives, whereby I encourage you, you encourage me, and we're the better for it. That's fellowship. That is a biblical looking at fellowship. It's, it's, it's this, you know, what does Paul say about the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 12? He says that the, each part needs the other parts. Yeah. Just turn to the person next to you and say, oh, baby, I need you. <laughs> baby, I need you. <laughs> it's getting a bit weird on this side. Don't worry about that. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says this, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. See, what we have sometimes though is that someone who's really sharp comes along someone who's really dull and they cut. There's, there's, there's not, nothing. We've got to recognize where a person's at and come at the same level with each other to encourage. You know, we tell the truth, but we tell it in love. That's again... Next week, maybe. <laughs> See, the, the, the third thing that they did in this, this whole thing of basics is they devo- devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. I love what Dean shared over communion today. It's, it's, it's something that we need to understand a greater revelation of, that it refers to the breaking of bread as we remember Jesus' sacrifice, what we would call communion or the Lord's table. You know, it, it, it's an indication that the early church communed together. They, they commun- there's a communion that was happening. Does that make sense? See, someone would take the cup and the bread and remind them of the sacrifice of Jesus. That the, his body was broken for us. His, his blood was spilled that we have the forgiveness of sin. See, a people who make a difference never lose the connection with the power of the cross. We never lose that, that connection with the power of the cross. And the, 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 the fourth thing that we look at in this basics part is that they devoted themselves to prayer. So we've got the apostles teaching, we've got fellowship, the breaking of bread. We've got also, they devoted themselves to prayer. Read through the book of Acts one day and, and start to identify just how reliant the early church was on prayer. Prayer was crucial. Talking to God is crucial. You know, people say, well, why would I want to read my Bible? Well, did you want to hear from God today or not? 
See, time spent in the Word is time spent with God. It's prayer. See, they prayed together as they waited for the promise of the Holy Spirit. They prayed together when they preached. They prayed together as they sent people out. They prayed together when they were before kings. They prayed together when they were in the, in the prison cells. They prayed together as they released deacons, as they chose deacons, and as they released missionaries. They prayed together. They never tired of the basics. How about us? How about us? I'm preaching to the converted today because you're here. What we need to do is to say maybe, you know, if we meet someone from our, our loving fellowship, our body of Christ that's here in this particular location, you know, I heard Pastor Gary say a great word, maybe you need to listen to it because you weren't there. But we say it in love. You okay? You're looking very serious. What could happen in our families, in our communities, and in our church, if we devoted ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. What could change in our communities and families as a result of that? Secondly, secondly, a life that makes a difference, a change, a changed life that makes a difference, is that they let God be God. In Acts chapter 2, verse 43, it says, Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. They let God be God. There's no doubt that God gave the apostles supernatural gifts, signs, wonders to authenticate their message. The power to heal and to do other miracles was given to Jesus and his disciples to show their message and that their ministry was from God. It had the stamp of his approval upon them. It just showed and demonstrated to those people in that culture and in that society, in those regions, that these men represented God because you could see the supernatural things that were happening as a result of their ministry. The danger today is to assume that God can't and won't do anything supernatural. Now, I'm going to say this because many of us today have had unanswered prayer when we've been praying for a miracle and nothing changed. So the danger becomes that we start to create a theology around that God doesn't move, He doesn't do supernatural things, He doesn't heal, because we're not seeing things rather than basing it upon what His Word declares instead. And what we do is we lower our, uh, the, our, our belief level or our standard for the Word of God down to our experience, and rather than continuing to believe for a breakthrough in that area and let God be God. We've got to get back to the, the, the time of believing again that God is a God of the miraculous. That God is a God of supernatural provision. That God is a God of healing and breakthrough. God is a God of life and expectancy and hope. God is a God who is going to, to do things for us if we continue to have the currency of heaven, which is faith. I love what Pastor Mark Elmendorp shared with the, the church a few weeks ago. He said that when people, you know, they're, they're praying for healing and someone gets healed, how much of that is God? And he said, you know what, it's 100% God. It's all God. It's God, you know, nothing would have changed for that person unless God had shown up. He said, but, you know, how much of that is man? Well, it's 100% man as well. Because man has got to pray. Man has got to have faith. Man's got to reach out to God. So it's a collaboration of us both coming together and, and there's this just amazing moment where a God encounter happens. 
We've got to let God be God. We've got to let God be God. We've got to let God be God. You know, this is the thing. And I, I, uh, this is not my uh, uh, revelation almost, but I, I guess it is, but I don't know. But I was listening to Joel Osteen this morning just before coming out. And it's just like, it's just a, a 10 second grab out of his message because I was doing other stuff. Made myself look beautiful for you lot. <laughs> I'm still working on that, by the way. So he, he said this. He said, when blind Bartimaeus was crying out to Jesus, son of David, son of David, have mercy on me. Everyone's telling him to shut up. But then Jesus says to him, come to me. And, and what do you want from me? See, blind Bartimaeus is still blind. He's responded and is walking to Jesus based upon hearing his word. For us to get, let God be God, what is God saying to us? And what are we moving out on if not the word of God? We have got to get back to the basics of letting God be God and letting him dictate the terms and conditions upon which we do stuff. Peter got out of the boat based upon a word from God. When we need to let God be God, we've got to let God. We've got to let God speak to us and then follow obediently what he says to us. Is that fair? Is that Cool. Excellent. Great. Praise God. Hallelujah. Bless Jesus. See, God can do anything that he wants. When he wants, how he wants, through and to who he wants. We've, there's a real danger about putting God in a box. And, and it's just formulaic. You know, we just have a formula for doing things. But I want to tell you, God's not a God of formula. He's a God of relationship. God is a God of relationship. Formulas don't speak to you. Okay? God speaks to us. And we've got to let God be God. So just as we want to be known for ourselves, through relationship and intimacy, that's how we want to be known. God's no different. He wants us to know him through relationship so that we know who he is and what he's capable of doing in our lives. Is it time in our lives then this morning to let God be God? To actually cling to faith and to step out upon what he says to us. That's the difference a change life makes. It's letting God be God in our lives. It's, it's sticking to the basics and not tiring of those things. Being committed and devoted to those things. But it's also letting God be God. The third thing in the difference a change life makes is that the believers cared for each other. In Acts chapter 2, verses 44 to 45, it says, All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as they had a need. See, those who were a part of this church showed their commitment to each other in the way that they shared their possessions with each other as there was a need. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything that they had. This is not an early form of uh, communism, okay? Because it was completely voluntary and it was also motivated by love. The simple question for us as a congregation would be, do we feel we really pay attention to the needs of others around about us? 
is what we have, whether it's little or much, available to help and to encourage those in our church family in, and in our community to help support them in the way that they may need to live for a season. There's an old saying, and, and it, you know, I've said it many times, that people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. So are we a people who care, who contribute to the needs of others? We can make a difference in the lives of others simply by caring for each other. Fourthly, they spent quality and quantity time with each other. They spent quality and quantity time with each other. Acts 2.46 says this, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. We've probably heard about people who say about their marriage or in their parenting, we don't spend quantity time together, we spend quality time together. I believe we need both. I actually believe we need both. I, I think that we need both if we're to have healthy relationships. See, these believers in the early church, they practiced both. So they were in the temple courts. They were using the opportunity of the daily sacrifices. And as thousands of people came to pray and to worship, they talked to them about Jesus. There was like that, so there's, there's quantity. There's a lot of people there. And then they went to each other's homes and they broke bread. They refreshed and in, encouraged each other in Christian fellowship. Two words show the, the heart attitude as they fellowship together. And it's glad and sincere. They had glad and sincere hearts as they did those things, as they got together with each other. See, quality Fellowship always begins with us being real with each other. Not pretending that things are better than they really are so that others will think well of us, but likewise not pretending that things are worse than they really are so that we play on people's sympathy. Do we spend enough time with each other to know what the needs of others are? Can we be real with each other? See, we've got to take the masks off sometimes. I think we need wisdom in the way we do that and who we do that with. If you're going through a really particularly hard time, what you don't need is to be talking to the church gossip. Not that there's one here. That'd be the church down the road. We've got to be real with each other. Be open, honest. I find that hard at times. I'm sure that many of you would too. But as we work on it, as we learn to trust more and more, as we open up our hearts and our lives to people around about us, who knows what could change? Uh, for some of us here today, your best friend's here. You just haven't found them yet. You just haven't met them. You haven't opened up your life to them in a way that creates fellowship, genuinely shared life together. 
You okay this morning? Cool. See, that's four ways that we could put our best foot forward to show the world the difference a changed life can make. If we did that, if we made a commitment to the basics, we, we let God be God and we cared for each other and then we spent quality and quantity time with each other. Is it possible that we might see the results together? Is it possible this morning that the results that the early church saw could be the results that we see as we choose to, to live in a way that the early church modeled for us. See, in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, it says, Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, God was praised. This praise was from the hearts and the lips of those believers. They'd experienced a changed life because of the way that they were doing life. Because of the way that they lived with the people that they were living around. See, God made us for fellowship with Him and with each other. And when we are properly connected, it gives us and our Heavenly Father great joy. Instead of you know, like thinking that we have to go through difficult seasons on our own, could it be that the, the people that we could lean into most are sitting right next to us today, or behind us or in front of us? The community that they lived in, in the early church, and that they were a part of, appreciated the way that the early church lived their lives. This didn't last long, though, because there was persecution coming, and we understand that. But even in the persecution, they lived out their faith in front of their friends and their neighbors, and they were appreciated by them for it. How do I know that? Because the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. Such was the power and the conviction of the way that they lived and the message of the gospel because the gospel was seen in the way that they lived that it, it spoke to the community in around about them that there was something different about these people and it was a difference that was attractive it was a difference that spoke to them it was a difference that they wanted for themselves. See, I sometimes think that people out in the world think that Christians should, should be somber, angry at everybody, you know, narrow and judgmental. I wonder where they got that idea. Sometimes we have been that way as a, as, as a church, the church. But I think that many of us here today, okay, that we are making a positive difference in not only our lives, but the lives of our community. And we, we, we speak well when we explain why we do certain things and why we don't do others. And without looking or sounding like we're condemning or arrogant or that we are better than anyone else. I think that we do that well as a church. The average person in Jerusalem looking at the lives of these believers could not find any hypocrisy in the way that the early church lived. They respected the difference and that can happen today too. Like on Friday morning, I was at the Mount Barker business group breakfast. Uh, it's every fortnight and we get together and 
On, on Friday morning, again, there was another opportunity that they went through the, the, the about 40, 45 business leaders that were in the room. And each person got an opportunity to stand up in front of everybody and say who they are and where what their business is and, and how you know, things are, uh, that might be going. To, they've got 30 seconds to talk about that stuff. So one of the guys uh, there was talking about how he was uh, complaining that his, his uh, Wi-Fi connection, his upload speed was absolutely abysmal and his download speed was at, you know, no better at all. So when I got up to speak, I said, hi, I'm Gary Leach from Infused Church down at uh, the corner of Hurling Drive and Flaxley Road. You can recognize us by the great community garden that we have at the front. We believe in a holistic approach to, to life and that we, we talk about body, soul and spirit. So we're in that thing. And actually, uh, unlike this person here, I was talking about the, uh, uh, you guys to, to my father this morning, and my upload speed was instant. And I said that, you know, when the answer came and uh, he wanted to say, he just passes on his love to you all this morning, the insta- uh, it was an instant download. The, um, the bandwidth on the power alone coming down from that thing was amazing. And everyone breaks out laughing, you know. I sit down at my table. Like when everyone's shared and it's just an opportunity to start network with the, the group of people that you're on the table with. So four on the table, including me. All of a sudden, a, a conversation about faith starts up. Why? I, why? There's no judgment. There's me mucking around. In a way that's trying to connect with people and saying, you know what? This thing about Jesus, there's no judgment. There's no arrogance here. There's a, there's a soft and humble heart that just wants to connect people and show that, that Christians can you know, just have one head instead of two. <laughs> Don't look like aliens from the planet Mars. Just being natural. I was just being me. That's, that's how I am. We can do that. Everyone in this room can do that. We just need to allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us. Now, you don't have to be me. And I don't have to be you. But we can make a difference because of a changed life. Does that make sense? When we start to make a change, you know, allow the changes that God brings in us, in our community, we can naturally make a difference. See, new believers were common in the early church. And I believe that evangelistic crusades, they have their place. I believe that Bible tracts have their place. Uh, Phil was talking to me this morning about uh, someone showing him a Bible tract that they'd given to him in his taxi. If you want a great story, listen to Phil after the service. He's got a great story about it. So Bible tracts have their place. There are all kinds of ways that people are connected with the claims of Jesus. But, here's my point, but the changed life, The man or woman or young person that has been transformed by their relationship with the living God will always be the most effective witness to our community. It will always be the most effective witness. The people who are watching the lives of Christians in the early church were struck by the sincerity of their devotion to God and to each other. How amazing if some, uh, someone were to come up to us after observing our daily life or see the way that we relate, relate to each other and say to us, I want what you've got. That's the difference that a changed life makes. That was the daily reality of the church in Jerusalem at that time. See, I'm convinced of three things today. Number one, that if I say I love God, I must also love people. I must love people because it says in 1 John 4 verse 20, if anyone says I love God yet hates his brother, 
He's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. Secondly, that to love people will take a commitment of my time, energy, and my resources. See, James chapter 2, verses 15 to 16 says, Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is that? I'm going to clothe you with my words today. Jolly good show, pipura. Does nothing. Absolutely nothing. And thirdly, that when we are unified and devoted to one another in brotherly love, a hurting world will sit up and take notice. Because it says in John 17, verses 22 to 23, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and I have loved them even as you have loved me. In other words, the world's going to see that God makes a difference in people's lives. That Jesus can make a difference in people's lives. The gospel can make a difference in a person's life. And we can change our community by allowing that change to be outworked and be seen in our communities as well. Paul encouraged the believers in Ephesus to let the life of Christ shine through them. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 20 to 24, out of the Passion Translation, it says this, If you have really experienced the Anointed One and heard His truth, it will be seen in your life. It will be seen in your life. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. And he has taught you to let go of the lifestyle of the ancient man, the old self-life, which was corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires that spring from delusions. It's pretty plain language, isn't it? It says, now it's time to be made new by every revelation that's been given to you. And you will be transformed. You'll be different. You'll be changed as you embrace the glorious Christ within as your new life and live in union with him. In other words, there's a devotion that's happening. For God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness. And you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. Isn't that good? Isn't that a good word? See, once our lives have been touched and changed by Jesus, his life shines out. It should be a natural result of what goes on. That's what it says in Matthew, isn't it? Don't hide your light under a, uh, a, under a bed or something or under a lampshade or whatever it was, but let it shine. Let it shine. Why? So that people will praise your heavenly Father. Praise God. Press on. See, this kind of a life gets noticed, it gets appreciated, and it gets desired. People want that for their lives. People want to know that life has meaning and that their life has meaning. It's time to let the difference of a changed life shine out from us. Because here's what I've discovered. People whose lives have been changed by Jesus are warm and inviting. The people whose lives have been changed by Jesus, are marked by compassion. The people whose lives have been changed by Jesus are committed to the gospel. 
that people whose lives have been changed by Jesus walk by faith. That people whose lives have been changed by Jesus are focused upward and outward. That people whose lives have been changed by Jesus are a spiritual and physical hospital. I believe also that people whose lives have been changed by Jesus believe that their best days are ahead of them. I believe that people whose lives have been changed by Jesus are known for how much they care. We can live lives, change lives that make a difference, church. We genuinely can. I don't believe that Jesus died, was buried and rose again, and that we by faith placing our trust in him and all that he's done. That it's any sign of gratitude for us to keep that secret. I believe that the, the thing that I can do best for God is to shine for God. Amen? Let's stand. I actually felt probably two areas that I really wanted to pray into this morning. <clears throat> Just two areas. Number one is that somewhere along the line, we've let the commitment to the basics drop. We've let the commitment to the basic things of being devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. S somewhere along the lines, the, the, the line got blurred. And we, we backed off on that commitment. And this morning, I just felt like, just as a, a simple recommitment, almost, to say, God, I'm, I just want to recommit with the basics once more. I want that daily time with you to read your word, to hear from Peter, John, and James for myself. That I get their first-hand account of their encounters with you. I want what they experience to change my life. I want to fellowship. I want to have a shared life with people. I want to open up my life to people once more. I've been hurt. I've been wounded. Well, take a number we all have. But it, does, it shouldn't stop us from re-engaging with people once more. To trust people again. That's what grace and forgiveness is all about, church. It's the, that is the Christian message at heart. Yeah. To the breaking of bread. Lord, let us never forget what you went through so that we can live in freedom. And to prayer, just talking to Jesus. This morning, it's time to just recommit ourselves to the basics once more as a church. Then the second area I felt that I, I just felt the prompting of the Holy Ghost was to let God be God. To believe again in the miraculous. To believe again in healing. To believe again for the resurrection of the dead. To, to, to see the the, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. To see headaches go, back pain go. To see arthritis go.
to see diabetes smashed, see depression lift, see anxiety go in Jesus' name. It's it's time again to believe for the impossible because we have a God who does impossible things. And I believe that God wants to instill faith and belief and hope again. Sure, we've all had prayers that have gone unanswered. But God answers every prayer, I believe. See, God's denial is not, uh, sorry, not, it's, it's not, God's no is not his denial. I think I said that right, but I'm not sure. I'll listen to the podcast later. Actually, there's a podcast on coming up this week. It'd be great to listen to. It's mine. <laughs> there's this thing where we just got to believe God. Trust God. That's why having a, a life of commitment to the basics is so crucial to seeing God and letting God be God. How can we let God be God if we don't know what He does? There's a, there's a marriage there. There's a marriage there. Heavenly Father, just lift up our hands. Heavenly Father, we just thank You for Your presence this morning. We thank You for Your goodness and Your grace. And help us this morning, Lord. Help us this morning to make a fresh commitment to the basics. To read Your Word and to absorb Your Word and to allow Your Word to bring change internally that that change can be seen by the people that we live with and work alongside of this morning help us to see what you can do so that we can say lord god would you be god in my life would you be god in my family would you be god in my workplace would you be god in my school would you be god in my university lord would you be god as we reach out to our community believing that you still are the God who heals. You're the God who raises the dead. You're the God who opens up blind eyes. You're the God who sets people free. Heavenly Father, we just recommit ourselves to you this morning. We open up our hearts. We open up our minds and say, Holy Spirit, come and lead us and guide us in all that we do today and tomorrow and into our futures. And we pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus this morning. Thank you, Father. Just as uh, every eye is closed and every head is bowed, I want to give people an opportunity. I don't know everybody here. I don't know where you're at in so far as a relationship with Jesus is concerned. But maybe you've never invited Christ to be the Lord of your life. Maybe you've never realized that that's something that you probably needed to do, to place your faith in Jesus so that He can change your life. There are many testimonies in this room this morning of people who've got a changed life because of the the impact of Jesus in their world. And maybe this morning you want that same impact. You want that same change. You're sick of the way that you're living. It's not working out for you. Maybe things are just going south and it's not happening like you thought it would. But this morning you're saying, God, if, if, if you're like this bloke says then I want that changed life. If what you're saying through this bloke up the front, if what he's going on about is real, then I want that. If you want to invite Christ into your life, and that's how it starts, is just by saying, God, would you come into my life? I'm sorry for the way that I've lived. I want to live your way from this point on. You'll live a life of commitment and devotion. If you want to to pray that prayer, and you've never prayed that prayer before, Just put your hand up this morning, nice and tall so that I can see it, because I want to pray for you. 
that God will change your life from this moment forward. You will never be the same again and the change will be noticeable and it will be different. Is there anyone here this morning who just want to give your heart to Christ this morning? Just put your hand up nice and tall so that I can see it. Anyone? Heavenly Father, bless your people today in the wonderful name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord.